So you've created an incredible fantasy world and now you're trying to explore it in the pages of your novel. But you're probably about to make some critical description mistakes which could ruin your book and make readers abandon your novel. And I know this because over the past year I've edited over 751,000 words worth of fantasy stories. And I see the same seven description mistakes come up again and again. I'm gonna show you how to avoid these mistakes. And as we go through this process, you'll also learn the principles behind writing effective, immersive descriptions that suck readers into the world of your fantasy story and make them say things like this. I really enjoyed this one. Only complaint I have is it's too short. I wanted more. I wanted more of this world and these characters. And the first mistake is over-reliance on sight. If you're like most new fantasy writers, you are massively over-relying on using sight to describe things in your story. Maybe you're sprinkling in a little bit of sound, but I can almost guarantee that you're neglecting taste, touch, and smell. And I've got the data to prove this. I analyzed the fantasy books I've edited this year, and on average, 55% of descriptions involve sight, 23% involve sound, 17% use touch, 4% use taste, and only 3% use smell. I'll show you how to do this analysis in your own novel in just a minute, but first of all, you might be wondering, Jed, why is that a problem? Well, there's actually a scientific reason why this is potentially ruining the reader's immersion in your fantasy story. Research in a 2016 brain sciences paper shows that odors can trigger strong autobiographical memories and associations, and smell-evoked memories tend to be more emotional compared to memories evoked by other senses. One possible reason for this is the olfactory center of the brain, which is responsible for processing smell, is right next to the hippocampus, which is responsible for memories. Let's actually just do a quick exercise between us to show this in action. So right now, I want you to close your eyes. Now think of a smell that reminds you of your childhood. Perhaps it is the smell of freshly baked cookies resting on the kitchen counter. Or maybe it's the waxy, slightly sweet smell of crayons, which you associate with creativity and hours of coloring and drawing. Or perhaps it's cut grass, the fresh green scent of newly mown lawns that bring with them memories of warm summer days, outdoor play, and carefree times. Now, come back and open your eyes. What did you feel? Chances are, it was probably quite a nostalgic experience. Maybe you even had a smile on your face. And it probably conjured up all other sorts of memories, associations, and sensations as well. So you can see right there the power of gustory senses like smell and taste and touch for evoking memory. And it's no different in your fantasy novel. There's such wonderful ways to create a sense of immersion between your reader, and your incredible fantasy world. So how do we actually make use of this when it comes to writing descriptions in your fantasy book? Well, first of all, you should begin by understanding your own description tendencies. And you can do this by using ProWritingAid to analyze your book. So ProWritingAid is a software that plugs right into Word. You can use my affiliate link in the description down below if you wanna grab a copy of this software at no extra cost to you. That link also helps support this channel, so I really appreciate it if you use it. ProWritingAid are not sponsoring this video, but I have been using their software since 2017, and I'm on the lifetime plan with it as well. Really great when software companies offer lifetime plans. I'm a big fan. So you can see how in the first draft of The Thunder Heist, which is my ocean punk fantasy novel about a pirate trying to steal a device that channels electricity from lightning, I had a lot of sight and sound descriptions. So as I went through the editing process for this book, one of the key jobs I gave myself was to include more smell-based descriptions, more taste-based descriptions. And even though I only added in, as you can see here, a few extra instances of smell and taste-based descriptions in the story, it really makes a big difference to the sense of immersion. And I think it's why so many reviewers said that they really loved the world building in the story and felt like they were right there alongside Kef and the other main characters. Now, it's very important when you're going through and looking at these sensory descriptions in your story that you don't implement this advice the wrong way. The incorrect way to implement this advice would be thinking that you need to make sure you have 
20% of your descriptions being sight-based, 20% being sound-based, 20% being smell-based, and basically having an equal distribution of all these senses. Don't do that. That's actually not what you need to do. It's okay to have a big difference between the number of sight-based descriptions you're having and smell-based descriptions, for example, because that is a very typical way that we approach the world and write. Simply when you're editing, it is a matter of just finding those areas that your story might be a little bit deficient in and just asking yourself, can I work in some more sensory moments for those neglected senses? But of course, to write great descriptions in your fantasy novel, it's not enough to just be using different sensory modes. You can be using all the senses in the world, but it will be completely pointless if you make the next mistake, which is not filtering through the character's identity. This mistake is so, so important to avoid because when you can avoid it, you unlock a effortless and incredibly natural way to convey your world building while also developing and building your characters at the same time. But to understand this, we first need to talk about perspective. So there are lots of different perspectives you can write your fantasy story in, and there is no such thing as a objectively best perspective to choose. However, most modern fantasy novels tend to fall into using either third-person limited perspective, which might result in a sentence like, Adam squinted into the darkness, or they might use first-person limited perspective, which might result in a sentence like, I squinted into the darkness. Most of the fantasy books on the shelf behind me fall into one of these two categories, with the first category of third-person limited being the dominant one. Now, the key thing with both of these types of perspectives is that your narrator has limited knowledge and can only describe the thoughts, feelings, and experiences of the character being focused on without access to the inner worlds of other characters. And I think this is such a great way to tell a story, and it's why so many of these books back here use this approach, because it really creates a deep sense of intimacy and connection to a character. It really makes you feel like you're in that character's head. So maybe that sounds really simple to you, but here's the thing. Most new fantasy writers forget about the fact that limited perspective is limited. It should be limited to only what your character can see, touch, taste, hear, and smell, and what they think and what they feel. And too often I see new fantasy writers getting this wrong, but maybe not in the way that you expect. So there's obviously one incorrect use of perspective here where you might have a character who is let's say walking down a dark corridor and you've just been in a limited third person perspective the whole time so we should only be in their head but then you describe how there's someone sneaking up behind them and whacking them over the head however they couldn't really experience that there's no way that they would have known that that person was coming up behind them without it being something that was available to them through their senses perhaps you can describe you know the scuff of a footstep behind them or you can hear the whisper through the air as a club comes down towards them and readers can infer what happens. But quite often, a lot of new fantasy writers do make the mistake of, you know, head hopping from the main character's perspective into the perspective or the feelings or the emotions of a character who is not actually the narrator. But that's not the main mistake I want to talk about here with this point. Instead, the main mistake I see new fantasy writers make when it comes to using the narrator's perspective is that they describe things in a way that any character could describe. And that's a big no-no. What you want to be doing is writing descriptions when you're using third-person limited and first-person limited perspective. Writing descriptions that tell you abundant details about the person who's doing the describing. Think about it this way. Every setting in your story is actually a character. A city is a character. A stand that serves noodles is a character. A countryside covered with rolling hills with massive thunderclouds coming in above, turning the land into sludge. That is a character. And what do characters have with other characters? They have relationships. They have opinions of the other characters. They have feelings towards the other characters. Maybe the characters remind them of other people from their lives. 
they want to get certain things from these characters. They hope that these characters don't do certain things to them. There is a relationship between them, and it's this relationship that creates tension and conflict and character growth and all the good things that we come to a fantasy story for. Apply that same approach to your setting descriptions. The setting you're describing in the story is a character, and the character who is describing that setting has a relationship to it. Maybe they are a fish out of water. They are arriving at this big fantasy city after spending their whole life on a backwards farm. They're a fish out of water. All of this is new to them. How are they going to describe it? Are they going to be overwhelmed by the amount of noise in the markets, the smell of spices from the various stores? Are they going to be keeping to the corners of taverns because there's just so many people going around? Or is your character less of a fish out of water and more of a tour guide? Have they been through this city a million times before? Do they know the best places to eat in the city? Do they know the shortcuts to escape the busy traffic after work each day? The character's relationship with a setting is something that can come across in your descriptions in a way that really just naturally conveys details about your world to your reader. Some useful questions that I ask myself when it comes to writing descriptions that are grounded through a character's perspective include, what do they pay special attention to? How do things make them feel? What do they wish was different? What do they appreciate about this setting? What surprises them? And then what does this remind them of? What memories does this conjure up? And ideally from all these questions, what you're getting at is the concept of the magic if, which is, if I were my character in this situation, how would I describe what I see before me? And something that enhances this even further is avoiding our third mistake, using your first ideas. So often when you're describing something in your fantasy novel, the first description you reach for is going to be a cliched one. It might not be something that you've thought about with great depth. It's just a description that you perhaps remember from a similar story, or it's just the obvious way of approaching this particular description. But the best setting descriptions in my mind are the ones where the writer finds a unique angle. They find a way to describing something we've read about a hundred times before, whether it is approaching a castle or meeting a dragon for the first time or seeing magic being used or perhaps even a battle between two armies. They approach something like this and perhaps they start with the cliche description in their first draft. But as they go into the second draft and the third draft, they find a way to describe it in a way that no one else has described this thing before. And this leads to our fourth fantasy description mistake, disconnected descriptions. The best fantasy novels always feel cohesive. Like you wouldn't be able to just talk about one specific element without talking about everything else. And this reflects something that I really deeply believe, which is that all the elements of storytelling, even though I talk about them in perhaps these disconnected ways in these YouTube videos, ultimately at the end of the day, they are all kind of merged together into this one clumpy concept. So character, in my mind, is indistinguishable from plot because plot is simply made up of the actions that your characters take. And your characters are defined by the actions they take over the course of your story, aka the plot. If you were to just describe a character from a fantasy novel that you love, you wouldn't be able to describe that character without explaining the things that they do, aka plot. And even if you try to describe them in a way without using the plot from that particular story, you're going to be describing their backstory, which is still plot. So character and plot, in my mind, are really fused together into this cohesive whole. And so too are setting descriptions. And I think where a lot of new fantasy writers go wrong is they maybe design this really cool character but then they feel like they're having to force the character to go down a certain plot. And in my mind, that means that this character and this plot, you don't have synthesis between those two things. And that's why there feels like there's tension and that's why it feels like your story is hard to write. When you achieve synthesis between plot and character, things feel effortless and they feel natural. 
you can present any scenario to that character and you will know instantly how they respond because there is no edge or there is no boundary between where that character ends and where your plot begins and vice versa. But I think it's not just about a straight line connection between character and plot here. I like to think about stories in terms of a triangle where you have plot, character, and your setting, aka your world building, all interrelated. And again, this comes back to that idea of how the best fantasy novels feel cohesive and they feel resonant in this way. You couldn't take Harry Potter out of Hogwarts, for example, because those two characters just feel so deeply interrelated. And even in the seventh Harry Potter book where he is out of Hogwarts for a bit, he does eventually come back to the castle at the end. The character progression of Frodo and Sam as they carry the ring across to Mordor is deeply related to the landscape and the world and the setting of Middle-earth itself. When you synthesize these different elements of your story together, that's when it becomes really magical as a reader to experience. Because it doesn't feel like the author is just, you know, dryly using these different techniques on you. It instead just feels like you can't see where the magic trick is. It's just all happening at once and it feels so much more natural and resonant as a result. So how does this all relate back to describing our fantasy novels and writing good descriptions? Well, I think that it's very important to always be thinking about how is this description exploring my characters, inner lives, their inner journeys, their inner struggles? How is it exploring the plot? How is it creating obstacles for that plot? And then also in the middle of character, plot, and setting, there is another element here that is created by the synthesis of all of these things. And that element is theme. And for me, a hugely important part of my writing process is figuring out what my theme is. Because once I know what my story is about at its core, it just gives you so much inspiration for how to guide your characters through this world or what to do in certain moments. With the Thunder Heist, for example, I realized that this was very much a world and a story about how do you deal with entropy? How do you deal with the kind of slow but inevitable collapse of civilization and order and all of those sort of things. The story is set in this world where the characters live on these floating city ships that are on a monster infested sea and the landscape all around them is infested with even worse monsters as well. This civilization exists on these creaky rusty ships that are falling apart. The only way they get metal is by dangerous underwater mining operations and the occasional asteroid that maybe falls from the debris belt above carrying with it some precious metals as well. And so the sort of desperation that that infuses into the story and into the setting descriptions is immensely heightened because now I know when I'm describing, let's say a simple interaction between my main character who is there to steal a particular item from the city and an innkeeper, there is a subtle hint of kind of desperation the sense that both of them know that this is kind of a pointless action that is infused in the background of things and it gives you just this extra layer of conflict and dimension to explore in your narrative just by the reader experiencing one paragraph of your novel they should immediately kind of know the tone the style the voice and the overall ideas of the piece now that was quite an abstract point but the next mistake here is highly tactical and it's one of the quickest ways to quickly improve your writing in fact i can pretty much guarantee that within the next couple of minutes you will look at your sentences in a completely different way. Because the next mistake is repetitive sentence lengths. This is one of the quickest ways to kill your reader's interest and excitement in your story and drive them to sleep. Let me show you an example to explain what I mean. The forest was dark. The trees were tall. The path was narrow. The wind was cold. She walked slowly. Her heart was pounding. The owl hooted loudly. She felt scared. The moon was hidden. The shadows were moving. Doesn't that just bore the crap out of you? Like, obviously, it's not written to be a good description, but... The fact that all the sentences have 
more or less the same number of words in, you know, four-ish or so words in every sentence. Yeah, literally four words in every single sentence there. It creates this dullness, this monotony, and it just ruins the rhythm of your story and puts readers straight to bed. By contrast, look at what happens when we begin to vary the sentence lengths. Forest loomed, dark and foreboding, with tall trees casting long, sinister shadows across the narrow path. A cold wind whispered secrets through the leaves. Shivers ran down her spine as she tread cautiously forward. Her heart raced, pounding like a drum in her chest, while an owl's haunting hoot echoed in the distance. Fear gripped her. Clouds obscured the moon, and she couldn't shake the feeling that the shadows themselves were alive, shifting and watching her every move. So you can see here how by simply forcing yourself to change up the sentence lengths in your story, it creates so much more rhythm and the pacing is vastly improved. This is actually another editing feature that Pro Writing Aid has. You can literally see the sentence lengths in your story as a chart, and you can quickly identify where there's areas where you've got overly repetitive sentences or sentences that are maybe too short or too long. But even if you're varying your sentence lengths, there is also another hidden danger that you might be ignoring in your fantasy novel. And that is our next mistake, starting sentences with the same words. Again, if we look at that bad example I gave you before, there is another issue here. All these sentences start with the same words. And in my experience, as soon as you have more than two sentences in a row that repeat with the exact same word, it begins to grate on readers' minds. They might not notice it immediately, but once they do notice it, oh boy, let me tell you, they're not going to be able to unsee it. And it will be something that is just a constant source of annoyance for them, especially if they're experiencing your book in audio book form. When you're reading it on the page, the eye can give a little bit of a pass. It can slip over some of these things. But when someone is listening to your story, all of these little ticks and these issues become more apparent. And in fact, one of the easiest ways to avoid these mistakes is simply to read your story out loud. I'm doing this right now with Kingdom of Dragons, which recently funded on Kickstarter, raised over $20,000 thanks to all of you, which was absolutely amazing. Right now, I'm going through my proofreading for this book. And a big part of my proofreading process is literally reading the entire story out loud. It's very exhaustive, but it really makes you aware of when you have repetitive sentence starts or when you have sentences that feel like they are too similar in length. And then the last description mistake that new fantasy writers make are overly abstract descriptions. So the pyramid of abstraction is a concept that was coined by Brandon Sanderson, I believe. And essentially he talks about how there are sort of two different types of descriptions you can tell in your fantasy story. First, you have concrete language. So this is specific detailed descriptions of things that actually exist in the world of your story. So for example, a red apple covered with a brown bruise. That is something that objectively exists in the world of your story. Now, these concrete descriptions should form the base of your pyramid. The top of the pyramid are abstract descriptions. So an abstract description is something that describes a thing that is not really there. So it's an emotion, it's a feeling, it's an interpretation, it's a thought, it's an idea. So for example, an abstract description here could be the apple reminded Adam of the same fruit which had cast him and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Now, you usually want to begin your descriptions in that concrete level, describing things that are actually there. Those are the descriptions that ground readers in your setting, that tell them the choreography of how characters are moving around, that maybe tell them where things are in relation to each other. And it's only once you've got that strong sense of grounding that then you can kind of go up to the abstract level of describing a character's emotions or thoughts or feelings or memories. The mistake I often see new fantasy writers make is they spend too much time in that abstract plane. And it leads to this sense of almost floating away from the reality of your story. If you do it too much with not enough concrete descriptions to remind you of where you are, to bring you back down into that 
sort of solid base of the pyramid here. It will make your story feel vague and it will make readers feel like they're not really immersed in your narrative. Now, this isn't to say that you need every single description to be concrete. I think if you do that, you're probably going to create a fairly boring story because we do come to stories to see into characters' minds, to experience their emotions, to see what their feelings are about certain things. It's simply about making sure you've got a good balance and mixture between these two things. 